Hello everybody and welcome to Stuck on Sport. I'm your host, Jim Lowden, and today I have Brendan O'Carroll and Jordan Paraskevis here. Welcome, boys. Thanks for having me back on the show, Jim. Good to be back. Yeah, cheers for having me, Jim. G'day, Brendan. Your first show today. You excited? That's it. Very excited. Love my footy. Very good. We'll be reviewing some of the AFL Round 3 today. Uh, and the first match of the weekend was a Friday night. Carlton, 11-10-76, defeated by Collingwood Magpies, 16 for 100. What were your thoughts, Jordan? Well, my thoughts were, before we actually get into the review, a bit of a segue on the Blues. I'd like to give a shout-out to one of our listeners this week, Liam Borthwick, for tuning in to, to the show. Big fan of the show, and it's good to have your ears. Yeah, Thanks, mate. Thanks, Liam. We've heard a lot about you, actually, and uh, it's really great to have your company on the show each week. But to start off with the game, I mean, as a Pie supporter, thank God we got a win on the board. It was great. I was there. I loved it. I loved heckling Carlton, cheering on the boys. It was fantastic. Yeah, it was. It was definitely good to see you have a um, have a win after your first three weeks. You were competitive in the first two rounds, but you finally got the win this week, which is good to see. Yeah, it was. A bit scary in the first 15 minutes of the first quarter. We didn't seem to fire, and Carlton slotted away the opening three goals of the game, but then we hit, we hit our stride, and we didn't seem to look back. That was it. Yeah, I think after, um, once you decided to score, I think it was 52-2 to two in Collingwood's favour. In that, in that half. Yeah, it was a fantastic first half by Collingwood, really led by their midfield group, and they actually got some forward structures working as well. What were your thoughts on how the forward line worked, Jordan? I think the coaching staff at the Pie should be commended in their idea of throwing a midfielder into the forward line to sneak goals. Yeah. They used side bottom and Trelaw in the first half and it seemed to work well. Yeah, I think Trelaw was the main one, the, the surprise move that went up there because we've seen side bottom go up there quite a lot but Trelaw hasn't been seen up in the forward line a whole lot throughout the first few rounds of the year or last year really. Mm. But it was really an interesting move to see uh, an elite midfielder move into the forward line and do some real damage. Yeah, it was. It, it was a different take on our setup. We had side bottom going in the middle and up on half forward in the opening quarter, and he did some serious damage with the, I think he had the 15 disposals in the first quarter alone, and then they chucked Ed Kerno on him to do a bit of a tag, and then they put Trelaw forward, and even then he seemed dangerous up against Liam Jones. Yeah, side bottom, he kicked um, three goals in the whole game, so he had a big game. Um, also had 35 touches. In the whole game. Yeah, he, so probably he was, best on ground, I'd say. I would say as well. He escaped a suspension sentence as well. He got a fine, but it was a really dangerous tackle that he put on, uh, I think it was Fisher. Yeah, young. But yeah. luckily, Fisher came back onto the ground, probably uh, saved side bottom a, yeah. a couple of weeks on the on the sideline. I'm not, I'm not surprised he only got a fine. I know I know. you said at first you thought one to, one to two weeks, but um, I thought at first, yeah, just a fine, maybe even get off with nothing, because seeing as Fisher came back on and... Well. Exactly right. I think for bigger offences where there is a bump, a deliberate bump, you'd definitely look at some weeks, but a sling tackle, I don't mind a free kick, and a 50 metre, maximum a fine, but the fact that it didn't rule Fisher out of the game completely, I didn't think that side bottom would actually miss any time. Yeah, you wouldn't want, a, you wouldn't want side bottom to miss any games because of that. Yeah, the, the Pies are really relying on him over the next few weeks because they've got a couple of tough games coming up. They've got Adelaide over at the Adelaide Oval this week, so he's going to be a really important part for them in uh, challenging the Crows. He definitely is. He's stood up in all three games so far this year, regardless of the results. So he's really coming uh, to like some premium football. He has now for many years, but now you're re- really seeing him as a class above. Yeah, you can see you can see from the um, the players that Collingwood had this week. It's going to be tough for lots of people to get a to get a game this week because there's so many people, especially in your VFL side, that um, dominated 
Yeah. What, was, what was the score there, John? It was 201. 201 to 71. So the Collingwood VFL team did an absolute number. They put a clinic on for the Northern Blues this week. For Solo with the three goals, Jamie Elliott with the four, and Dugowie with the five. So uh, Yeah, so all three of those boys really pushing for selection. There's a few other guys like uh, Braden Sire who were really pushing for selection. What a gun, what a gun. All right, so moving on now, well, if, if that's enough for our review, I'll move on to our GLS player of the round of votes. I had the votes for this game, being a Collingwood supporter. I gave the one vote to Josh Thomas. Really dangerous small forward, too good for some of the smaller Carlton defenders. Kicked the five goals straight. Was really good to see him have a nice run after that two-year suspension for the illicit substances. That's it, very good choice. With the two votes, I gave it to Brody Grundy, who had an absolute cracking game. 25 disposals. He follows, up, he, he follows up so much of his own ball. Had the 32 hit-outs. Beat Cruiser by seven. So just really showing his strength there. He could even have a case for Ruckman of the round, even. But Steph Martin could, could have something to say about that. And, of course, I'm going to give the three votes to Steel Sidebottom. Just so dominant with the 34 disposals, seven marks. And the four tackles and the three goals to his name as well. So congratulations to Steele. Yeah, exactly. I'm right there with you, Jordan. I think Steele's side bottom was uh, a class above. All right, the next match for round three was Port Adelaide, 14-13-97. Getting a close call done, defeating Brisbane, 14-8-92. Now, for all the viewers out there, we should point out that Brendan is a mad Port supporter. So this game was close to his heart. That's it, that's it. Um, three, three good rounds, three solid rounds. Probably this week I'd say we, um, we pushed it a bit, a little bit. We, I was hoping for a bit more of a win, but um, obviously take the four points um, with a five-point win. But we've got a little bit to work on from, um, for next game. I think, I think we've got, um, obviously we've got every department, uh, the forwards, mids, backs, we've all, got, we've all got it, I think, to make it well into September. Lions were good, I must say. I think Lions were more good than what we were in terms of... Um, we didn't play that poorly, I don't think. Just the Lions were very good. Yeah, the Lions, the young Lions in particular, were really impressive. Guys like Eric Hipwood really kept them in the contest late in the game. A few lead changes in this one. It would have been a bit of a scare for you, Brendan, to be watching this from home. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a bit scary, but um, yeah, never, never doubted the boys. I thought they, I thought they did well. Steph Martin, just absolutely dominant in this game. 49 hit-outs, 30 disposals. This just a class above in terms of the Ruckman in this game. It's, it was probably one of the most dominant performances I've seen by a Ruckman in a while. It's not, no surprise, obviously, because we've got no Paddy Ryder. We don't really have a full-time Ruckman playing at the moment. Um, obviously, we've got Dixon and Westhoff that jump in, but... Steph Martin just took the opportunity to go ham, get 30 disposals, 49 hitouts, seven marks, seven tackles. I mean, those stats from a midfielder, despite the hitouts, would you'd be having a laugh. So it's good. Yeah, exactly. I think when you when you have a ruckman like Stefan Martin, he's a very mobile ruckman, so he's able to get around the ground. So even in that part of the game, Port Adelaide's uh, smaller, more mobile ruckman weren't able to get ahead. Uh, yeah. Stephen Martin really dominated in the tap-outs and then was able to go with Westhoff when he was in the ruck and Charlie yeah. Dixon as well. Steph Martin actually led the disposals for the entire game with the 30 touches. He beat out Jared Pollock by one with the 29. So if some of these younger Lions can get some more disposals and 
get up. They might upset a couple of teams this year. Yeah, and he had eight score involvements as well and the 16 kicks, which is really important for a Ruckman. Twelve, uh, 13 contested possessions, really important for a Ruckman to get involved in the midfield. You feel that if Paddy Ryder was actually playing this game, he could have had an impact in stemming the flow of the Steph Martin damage? Definitely, yeah. I think we would have had a, a much better a much better margin of winning if we had Paddy Wright, obviously, to compete with. Yeah, I agree as well. Um, Having said all that about Stefan Martin, who did you give your three GLS Player of the Year award votes to? All right, so I'll start with my um, who I gave one vote to. Yep. Um, So I gave it to Jared Polek. Now, he had an absolutely very solid game. Um, He had 29 touches and 12 marks. So he was obviously very involved. He was the highest disposable getter for Port. Um, So obviously that helps in winning. Um, so two votes I gave to Sam Gray. Um, he had a great game. Like watching it, I was thought thought he was probably one of the best um, on the ground. So um, the best report, uh, second best in the game. He had three goals, twenty one touches, and nine marks. Um, and then obviously it's uh, hard to go by. Even though Port won, I feel like Steph Martin kept him in the game. So Steph Martin gets three votes. Yeah, I, I totally agree there. I thought uh, Stephen Martin was the most influential player on the ground. Now, we'll move on now. Melbourne, 18-15, 123, breaking their hoodoo against North Melbourne, breaking a 17-match losing streak, and against North Melbourne, 13-8-86. What were your thoughts, Jordan, because you were leading this match? Well, the way that the game started, I thought it might be heartbreak for the Demons again. The Kangaroos jumped out of the gates real quick and took the lead early in the first quarter. And then from there, the Demons were just able to wrestle their way back into the game. Led, of course, by Max Gorn with a massive 50 hitouts against Todd Goldstein with only the 15. So Yeah, it really spells trouble for North Melbourne when one of their star players, Todd Goldstein, can't get into the Ruckman when just about two years ago he was the best in the competition. Yeah, I can't even get over. I can't even comprehend that. Like fifty to fifteen against Goldstein, like a dominant ruck. The Demons with multiple goal scorers this game. A couple of players had a bag. Uh, Tom Bug with the four and Dean Kent with the three goals, and also two goals to Clayton Oliver as well. So good to see that the Demons. Oh, and three goals to Jeffy Garlett as well. So good to see uh, that they're sharing it around. Jesse Hogan with the one. Jesse Hogan had an absolutely great game this 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 weekend. Yeah, I thought so too. Jesse Hogan playing more as a midfielder in this game, actually getting up the field, moving uh, through the midfield, playing as that big body player. Uh, it was really good to see the forward line structure of Melbourne working really well. Tom Bug was fantastic in the first half when it wasn't really working for Melbourne. He was still putting the pressure on and he got some reward for it as well, kicking the four goals one. Yeah, he was he was good. Um, I must say um, Petrarca as well. Um, in the first half, I think it was, he kicked a nice goal um, around the body, did a nice snap. Um, yeah, had a nice 25 disposals as well. It, yeah. He was really influential player in that second quarter more, more so. Credit to a couple of the Kangaroos as well who had a really decent crack in this game. Ben Cunnington went hard with the 25 disposals, the 14 kicks and the 11 handballs. Jack Siebel as well with the 17 kicks and the 5 handballs for the 22 disposals. Uh, North Melbourne just couldn't keep up with the Demons who... Uh, Flexed their muscles a bit in this game, showed that they're a serious team for this season and were wanting to be making a push for the finals at the end of the year. After a really impressive win last week, what were your thoughts on how North Melbourne actually played? Yeah, I thought North played okay. Um, they obviously didn't play as well as last week because they didn't win. But um, <laughs> but it's just sort of... it's just sort of they, Their list is a bit... It's lacking. They've got, obviously, Goldstein, but if he's not dominating, not doing as much as he usually would, it's going to make it hard for the mids to, to get the ball, especially if Gorn's dominating down to some 
good mids like Jones and Petrarca and all these guys. Yeah, absolutely. And our expert comments from Brendan O'Carroll is because they didn't do as well last week because they didn't win. It is, it is true. It is a fact. <laughs> well, that's the basic. If yeah. you don't win, you clearly didn't, you clearly didn't do as yeah. well as last week. That's I, it, yeah. I think that's a good point there. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Expert analysis here. <laughs> All right. I think we'll move on to the votes now, Jordan. Who'd you give you one vote at the GLS Player of the Year Award votes? Uh, I was tossing up here between a couple of the young forwards for the Demons today. Uh, it was a toss-up between either young Dean Kent or Tom Bug, but I've gone with Tom Bug with the four goals and the one behind. 16 disposals looked really dangerous in the first half for the Demons. Yep, and your two votes? Yeah, so I gave my two votes to Maxi Gorn in this game with the 50 hit-outs against Goldstein. Just dominated him all over the park in, in terms of the ruck. Really surprising result there from uh, Goldstein to not compete the same way that Gorn did. So I, I had to give Gorn the two votes there with the 18 disposals as well. Actually, can I just chip in for a second? So um, I'll just ask Jordan a question. Do you think if they put um, someone as, as talented as Ben Brown in the ruck um, against Gorn, they could have done a lot better? Maybe. I mean, I'd, I didn't catch as much of the game as I would have liked to. I was at work, but I, I did see some snippets of the game on the TV. If Goldstein wasn't operating at the peak level that they would have liked to, I mean, I see here that Ben Brown, he only had the three hit-outs. So I don't know the amount of time that Ben Brown actually spent in the ruck against Gorn, but I think if you were the coaching staff there, you'd... You've got to try and experiment and get Ben Brown in the ruck to see if he can stem some of Gorn's influence. I do agree that you have to try something, but they need Ben Brown up forward. They literally have nothing else. Ben Brown's a fantastic player, but he's really a, a one-trick pony. Like you, He's a lead-up player. So, Jim, do you think um, Ben Brown's as good as Joe Danaher? <laughs> Short answer, no. Long answer, not even close. He's, although... Be, uh, Although Joe Danaher hasn't been as good through the first few rounds due to a bit of an injury concern, I think Ben Brown's not even uh, close to the player that Joe Danaher is. Actually, I shouldn't say he's not even close because he is close. He's a very, very well, good player. Well, he did kick four goals this weekend. Yeah, he did, but he's really a, more so a stay-at-home forward rather than Danaher's really a centre-half forward. For viewers at home who can't see Jim's face, he does not look pleased at all right now. But yes, Shut the f- I just, <laughs> I'd just like to mention also that Ben Brown kicked 63 goals last year, but Danaher only kicked 62. He actually kicked 65. All right, we're not going to bash on because they, these two could go all day on the Danaher debate there, but yes, in summary, I do think that they should try Ben Brown up against Gorn, especially when they start to see that the game is starting to slip away from them a bit. Yeah, I think you do need to find some other avenues to go other than Ben Brown because it's really important to North Melbourne's preparations. All right. And to round out the summary of this game, I gave the three votes, the three player votes to Jesse Hogan with 26 touches, seven marks, and uh, just the one tackle today. But the 17 kicks, really strong by foot, quite effective, had a good game by him. It's good to see him back playing some solid footy. Yeah, absolutely. Jesse Hogan was fantastic on the weekend. Uh, so that was that one vote you gave to Tom Bug. Yep. Yep. Two votes to Max Gorn and three votes to Jesse Hogan. Sure All did. Right. Moving on to the Gold Coast, their home game at Optus Stadium, 10-8-68, defeated by Fremantle, 13-18-96. Brendan, what were your thoughts on this match? So, yeah, this was a, um, a tough one. or Actually, not really a tough one to tip, considering it was a, a Gold Coast home game at their opponent's home ground. So you'd think that would be a slight disadvantage. But yeah, uh, Dockers all the way. Um, the, from the likes of Fife, obviously back to his best. 38 disposals, 8 tackles, 
20 kicks, just dominated. Also had uh, Michael Walters kick two goals. He started off slow, wasn't getting really getting into it, but second half, he just went berserk. Uh, 23 disposals, six tackles, um, and yeah, the two goals, obviously. But yeah, obviously, there's there's some good signs for Gold Coast, though. You've got Jared Lyons, who's been dominating the first three games. He's had 30 disposals in this game, 10 tackles, two goals even. So... It doesn't seem to be affecting him. The outlet's gone. He's getting more time uh, in the full, in obviously in the midfield. Um, yeah, so they're, they're looking okay, but yeah, Freo just too strong. I thought it was really good to see Sam Day back in action after a horrible injury in the Shocking. preseason uh, yeah. last year. A really painful injury. He spent the whole year out, uh, 2017, out on the sidelines. He kicked three goals yesterday, or no, on Saturday, sorry, and then uh, just showed some real signs of the player that. He was always he always promised to be before his injury, so it's good to see him back out on the field. Yeah, I mean that that injury, that hip dislocation, that was absolutely horrendous. That was Tim Broomhead leg break esque. Um, shocking to see a, a player miss a whole year with a horrific injury such as that. So really good to see him back on the park. But as Brendan was saying, Fife just led from the front. It was just a domination by him. It was insane. They had. Lockie Neal with the 29 touches as well, David Mundy with the 23, and Ed Langdon with the 27. And, um, yeah, Fremantle just seemed to have all the, all the answers to Gold Coast's attack this week. He does. He Fife, you'd hope, um, can continue his form because he's looking back to his um, his Brownlow best. So if he can continue this all year, it'll be great to watch. Yeah, absolutely. So saying that, Brendan, what were your votes for this match? Okay, so... For my one vote, I gave to Jared Lyons just because he's clearly the best player for Gold Coast on the day yep. um, and the second most disposal getter for the whole game. And so, kicked two goals as well. Yeah, so kicked two goals and 10 tackles, so led the tackles as well. Big game. So, yeah, big game. Two votes we have given to Michael Walters, who's had the 23 touches, two goals, six tackles, just very influential for the Dockers yesterday. And then the three votes goes to Nat Fife because, as we said, just dominated all day. So, yeah. Really, really good to see Fife back to his Brownlow best form. Hope he continues it for the rest as well. All right, well, that wraps up the summary for this game. Now, Jim, we're going to throw it over to you now. In the next game of our review, the Battle of the Bridge, the Sydney Swans against the GWS Giants, the Sydney Swans defeating the Giants 16 16- 7, 103 to 12, 15, 87. What did you think of the game, Jim? I thought it was a fantastic match, actually. It started out really contested. Sydney got the jump on GWS early. GWS fought their way back into the contest, but it just for the whole match, it just seemed like they were just holding a barrage of Sydney back. Their pressure was unbelievable, and they just play the SEG very well. So it was a real show of strength from Sydney, kicking the 16 goals, and Franklin didn't kick a goal until about the five-minute uh, five minutes to go in the last quarter, and then he kicked two goals uh, to round out their performance. It was a really all-round performance to to start for Sydney. Uh, GWS, they were fantastic as well. Stephen Canelio has played unbelievably to start the season. He's been fantastic. Jonathan Patton was fantastic in the forward line and uh, played a bit in the ruck as well because uh, Rory Lobb went down with injury about halfway through the, the match and was on and off the field. So it was a really fantastic match. What did you guys think? I thought, yeah, it was a great match. Obviously, it's a very close and tough one to tip. Um, I know I went GWS, so I'm um, not happy with that. But it's 
15 points, or 16 points, sorry, and but it was very close, as you can see on the disposal count. We've got 362 disposals for Sydney and 360 for GWS. So they're both getting equal amount of the footy. It's just um, Sydney were much more effective in front of goal. 16 goals, 7 to 12 goals, 15. You do note on that, you do note on that effectiveness there, Brendo, because the Giants actually had four more inside 50s than what the Swans did. They had uh, 14 more... The clearances as well. Uh, they were up on the tackles, but as you said, the Swans were just way more effective in front of goal. Yeah, it was. It was from last week, I know, because Port played Sydney, so we we played very well against Sydney. So I was thinking that Sydney might bounce back. Obviously, I could have tipped them because of that, but I thought GWS didn't play as well last week against Collingwood, so I thought they'd improve on that and obviously know how to finish off Sydney, but um, couldn't get it done. Callum Sinclair, a surprise for this game with the 45 hitouts, obviously with GWS with their ruck problems, but kicked the three goals as well and had the 14 touches. Really strong game by the young man. That's it, yeah. Just very dominant performance. Um, and, yeah, you couldn't really do too wrong there. So, Jim, you had the votes for this game. Who did you give your first vote to? Yeah, for the GLS Player of the Year award, I gave one vote to Callum Mills. 26 disposals at 81% efficiency, just a solid rock down back and played really well. And when the heat was on from the GWS forwards, he really stood above the rest and he was fantastic. I gave the two votes to Josh Kennedy, always he does fantastic all the time. 25 disposals, 12 contested possessions as always. Kicked a goal as well. Kicked a goal, yeah. 76% efficiency. He was just unbelievable. Uh, He was fantastic and really pushed them through at some really critical moments and really stood up above the rest in uh, against the GWS midfield, which has been fantastic. And I gave the three votes to that man I mentioned earlier, Stephen Canelio, 27 disposals, nine contested possessions, a goal. He was just unbelievable. He was everywhere. He kicked, actually, he kicked, he kicked three goals, I think. He kicked no, one goal, did he? He kicked one so goal I'm, this week. I'm three goals. Confusing last him last week. Yeah, he kicked week, the three yeah. goals last week. But he has been kick, hitting the scoreboard a lot this season. He's kicked the six goals so far this season. That's it, so yeah. So he's been fantastic. And I gave the three votes to Stephen Kinelio. Beautiful, yeah. And because obviously with such a good midfield, it's even more impressive to be a standout midfielder in the team that's GWS. Yeah, well, Chiel, Kelly, Kelio, yeah. it's hard to be Scully a standout. Scully as well, he's now injured. Yeah, they've just got an unbelievable midfield. Tar- really yeah, Taranto as well is a nice up-and-comer who's um, doing well this year. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that's enough for this match. Uh, we'll throw to the break now, and as we do, we're going to listen to some of the big moments from the big Friday night clash of Collingwood and Carlton. Quick hands was slick to side bottom, kept it moving to Grundy. Now Thomas, flying shot at goal, brilliant team goal from the Pies. And Trelaw couldn't quite complete the mark at ground level. Gets the hands to side bottom, who bends a magnificent goal. Well, if you're a Collingwood fan, any win over Carlton's a good win. The Pies are on the board in season 2018. Love sport? Then get stuck on sport by following us on Facebook and Twitter and subscribe to the Stuck On Sport channel on Wooshka. Don't forget to get involved in the podcast by replying to our page and ask questions that you would like answered. Hello everybody and welcome back to Stuck On Sport. I'm your host Jim Loden and I'm still here with Brendan O'Carroll and Jordan Paraskevis when we're reviewing round three of the AFL season. We're up to now... 
St Kilda, 7-13-55, got trounced by Adelaide, 15-14-104. Jordy, what were your thoughts? Well, Crows just too good in all areas of the game. I think players like Gibbs, Laird, Seedsman, Sam Jacobs and Atkins just all led from the front. Good to see Eddie Betts on the board finally in this 2018 campaign. I just want to make a shout-out quickly to um, my brother Aiden. Um, I know Adelaide, they played well in this game, obviously, but just you would have thought they would um, play a bit better in the grand final, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Brendan on the trigger points again. But, yeah, look, just Jesus. the Saints had a couple of players stand out, try quite hard, but overall the Saints just not even close to the standard that the Crows are at the moment. Bryce Gibbs is uh, Adelaide's new boom recruit in this off-season. What did you think of his performance this round and uh, subsequently in the rounds before? Yeah, well, Bryce Gibbs, um, I know we were talking at the start of the season whether Bryce Gibbs or Tom Rockliffe would be um, the bigger recruit. But I, I'd, I'd probably say at the moment Bryce Gibbs because he's, he's dominating. 26 touches, 10 tackles um, and a goal. So he's doing it. Yeah, he's doing quite well uh, at the Crows Gibbsy. It's good to see him playing for some, like, he's continued his strong form from last year uh, and he seems quite comfortable. He slipped in quite nicely to the Adelaide midfield. Um, just the run that they get through the middle of the ground to their forward line, it is deadly. You can't stop them. I mean, you've got the general in defence back there, Laird, just intercepting anything that isn't kicked straight to an opponent, gobbles it up with the 16 kicks and 16 handballs. Six tackles as well, seven marks. He was outstanding in this game. Yeah, I thought so too. It was really an, uh, an impressive performance. Uh, who were some other standouts for you, Jordan? Well, I actually have to give a shout-out as well to Paul Seedsman. Played a really strong game. He's in the side. He's played every game so far this year. Might have taken the spot left by Jake Lever. He's filled that hole in terms of that rebounding uh, half-backman. Uh, 11 kicks... So, uh, apologies, 15 kicks and 11 handballs, kicked the two goals as well. Do you, do you feel like um, he's as good at the Crows as he was at Collingwood, or better? Um, that's a hard one to tell. He he did play well in his in his time at the Pies, but I just feel like he's really... We played him more on the wing uh, in the Pies, and I feel like now he just gets a bit more of the ball and his ball use off half-back, because he's... Very quick, he's got good leg speed, he loves to take off and run, and he can be one to charge down the middle for the Crows to get it into the forward line this year. But I think he, uh, his game style is better than what it was at the Pies. Played a lot of good games at Collingwood, but if he can continue this form uh, at the start of the year, it's going to suit him a lot better. Yeah, absolutely. What were your votes like, Jordy? Well, going on to the votes now for me, I gave uh, one vote to Seb Ross. Seb Ross played in in a losing team that lost quite badly. Seb Ross had a stunning game. 20 kicks, 12 handballs, had the 32 disposals, 8 marks, had almost the most in the team, uh, 6 tackles as well, didn't hit the scoreboard, but he played an absolutely stunning game, and credit to Seb Ross. I gave the two votes to Bryce Gibbs with the 26 disposals, 10 tackles. He put together a fantastic game. I mean, it's good to see Gibbsy continuing his form from last year, as I was saying earlier. And I had to give the three votes to Rory Laird because just off half-back, he gobbles up anything that's left uh, a bit open. His run is deadly. He really cracks open the game. He had the seven marks as well, six tackles. He just has a solid game every week, you feel. Arguably the best defender in the comp at the moment, especially with Doherty out as well. Yeah, I actually 
agree. I mean, every week, Laird just smothers everyone. He's all over. It doesn't matter if it's a lower team or a higher team. He seems to just perform well every week. Yeah, he'd be averaging close-ish to 40 disposals as well. He's been fantastic. All right, so now that we've finished that game, um, we'll throw it back to Jim for the Richmond versus Hawthorne game. This was a really interesting match, actually. Richmond, tw- uh, 15-12, 102, defeating Hawthorne, 13-11, 89. Now, the the scoreline flatters uh, Hawthorne a little bit because Richmond were actually in front by about 40-odd points with about five or six minutes to go, or about ten minutes to go, and then they worked their way back into the contest. Gave them a little bit of a scare, but it really looked like it was sewn up uh, quite early uh, in the day. But really early on, Richmond flexed their muscles. They showed why they're the best team, uh, not, probably not the best team in the competition, but they are the best team on the MCG in the competition with the other team uh, rivaling them, maybe Hawthorne, because they do play the MCG very well. So it was really impressive performance by Richmond to show that they are still kings of the MCG. In a surprise, I think, for all of us this week, Dusty Martin with, I can't believe I'm saying this, a quiet game with just the 21 disposals, 11 kicks, 10 handballs, just the behind. Didn't do much, Dusty. It was up to this week, dominance completely in the Tigers by Trent Cotchin with the 31 disposals. Yeah, it was probably his first quiet game for about two and a half years as well. So a really uh, really poor poor performance from Dusty, but uh, we digress. That's it, yeah. like Dusty still, obviously, 21 touches is still not a bad game because um, obviously the 21 disposals for a normal player that's not an absolute ledge is um, going to do all right. So... 21's a bit of a quiet day for Dusty, but then you've got Tom Mitchell on the other hand who's doubled his disposal count with 42, and that's still 12 disposals less than what he got in the first round, which is insane. So he's he's dominating in an insane degree this season. Yeah, he, he didn't quite hit the scoreboard uh, in this round like he has in the previous weeks, but uh, hopefully he works his way back in. He did score one goal, though. Yeah, but he didn't score the five goals like he did last week against the Crows. Well, I mean, you can't kick five goals every week, but he can seem to get the 40 touches every week. So I think if you're a coach, I'd rather see your midfielders getting 40 touches, not five goals. You, you, look, no, you've I, I, no, I would definitely love them getting 25 disposals and five goals rather than 40 disposals. I think with Tom Mitchell, it's just a case of can a team find a way to put the shackles on him and lock him down in a game? Because at the moment, he would be three votes galore in every round he's played so far. Definitely a Brownlow favourite, so any punters out there, I'd be looking early. Would you still give the best on ground to Tom Mitchell, though, even though they lost? Look, I would. I mean, Tom Mitchell, his dominance, his presence around the ground is... It's a level above. I know Cochin had a really strong game with the 13 kicks and the 18 handballs, but 21 kicks and the 21 handballs. To, to Mitchell, what was his efficiency on the weekend? So Tom Mitchell had 73% disposal efficiency on the weekend, which is solid effort, plus 15 contested possessions. 12 score involvements and 12 clearances. So yeah, It was a really impressive game from him. I, I loved his game. Actually, he, got, he kicked the goal as well, and he, he's hitting the scoreboard, which is... Just as impressive as getting the the 40 disposals. Yeah, so I think if you're comparing, Brendo, if you think, well, if you're asking Tom Mitchell, was he the best on ground, even though they lost? I mean, if you look at it, you've got Tom Mitchell, Daylight, Cochin, a bit more, like a little bit of Daylight, and then everyone else. I mean, because in terms of the disposals, if you just have a look, you've got the Mitchell with the 42, and then 11 down... Cochin with the 31, and then after that, it's Hooley with 26, or Isaac Smith with 23. So I think you have to say yes. 
Yeah, it'd be hard to go past Mitchell with, with his with his game, obviously. Plus, Cochin didn't hit the scoreboard as well. So, yeah, uh, that segues well right into my votes for the day. I gave one vote to Basha Hawley. I thought he was really good off the half-back line. 26 disposals at 77% efficiency. Played a really solid game, and I really liked his performance. I gave the two votes to Trent Koch, and this week's we had 31 disposals, 16 contested possessions. Fantastic effort there, and eight clearances as well. He was brilliant all day uh, and really dragged his team over the line, especially when he had uh, his teammate Dusty wasn't quite performing to his high standard. And obviously the three votes... Who else but Tom Mitchell, 42 disposals, 14 clearances, uh, 14 contested positions, sorry, 11 clearances and a goal. Just the complete performance, and he was, by a long margin, the best player on the ground. Shout-out as well to Jason Castagna from our high school with the three goals. Go Eagles. Yep, go the Eagles. Now we'll move on to the next game for the round. One of the worst Quality contests. One of the best games I've seen this year. If you're a Bulldogs fan, you'd be very happy. If you're anyone who's not an Essen supporter, you'd be happy. One of the worst quality contests I've ever seen going to the football. The Western Bulldogs, 14-20-104, defeating Essendon, 12-11-83. It was remarkable that Essendon was so close in this match because any half-decent side would have beaten us by probably 80-odd points. Jordan, does, does Jim go to Essendon? Look I, look, I think he does, mate. And you can tell him with the redness in his face that he's not too happy with this. I mean, the Bulldogs, if you look at that scoreline, the Bulldogs could have buried this game. 20 behinds, this could have been a very different story. Mate, in, in, in the, the first, first quarter, In yeah. the first quarter, the scoring shots were 10 scoring shots to one. One goal, nine to one goal. It was just an insipid performance from the Essendon Football Club. They didn't seem to want to try in the first quarter or any quarter since then. No player got into the contest. There was only a handful of people that actually looked like they were trying to take the game on. And it was just a shocking performance by the Essendon Football Club and by the coaching of the Essendon Football Club as well. On the flip side as well, you had some Bulldogs who have been quiet in the opening few rounds. Now, Hunter, 35 touches. McRae, the 30. Bailey Williams with the 26. Luke Dalhouse with the 31. A couple of those players finding some previous form looked really good on the weekend. I do. I, do, I think there is a little bit of credit to give to the Dogs, but I think this more has to do with the Essendon Football Club work rate. Their, their work rate was shocking. They, they let uh, the Western Bulldogs have almost 100 more disposals than the opposition. Uh, they had almost 100 more uncontested marks. That's a ridiculous stat. I've never seen a discrepancy like that in my entire time of going to the football. Uh, it was just a ridiculous performance. Uh, and I'm one Essendon member that isn't very happy right now. Clearly, yeah. With, um, I was just going to say, in the, in the ruck, I was looking at the ruck stats, um, Bell Chambers got 33 hitouts. Tim English, a rookie, got 19, so he didn't do too bad. Bell Chambers only beat him by 14. I would say around the ground, um, Tim English smashed Bell Chambers. Yeah, he, it was one of the main reasons why the Bulldogs were able to get on top so early. They, yeah. were, they got first use of the ball a lot of the time. Adam Saab, one of your off-season recruits, really quiet game on the weekend, Jim. Also, James Stewart and Kyle Hooker, really quiet games. Stewart with the seven disposals. Hooker with the 12. James Stewart did kick the two goals, though, and Kyle Hooker with the one, but you'd want to see them getting up the ground more and having a bit more of a contest. Well, it was ridiculous that we only got 13 inside 50 marks. Now, we can't have those three big talls in Danaher, Hooker and Stewart if they're only taking 13 marks 
inside the forward 50 for the entire game. It's it's just ridiculous stats for this game. I couldn't believe what I was watching. All right, so if you look at the disposals um, for the game, out of the nine top disposal getters, eight of them are Bulldogs players. The first player to get... Uh, the most disposals for Essendon is Zaharakis with 26. The next, the next is 21 for Heppel. So, and you've got, obviously, three players get over 30 for Bulldogs, so... They're doing all right, the Bulldogs. In that yeah, game. and it was on the on the back of work rate. Essendon actually had two more contested possessions. The Western Bulldogs had 297 uncontested possessions. That's so many uncontested yeah. possessions. A couple of players for the Bulldogs kicked a handful of goals. Bailey Dale with the two. Bonds and Pelly with three goals, three. Josh Dunkley with two. And Toby McLean with two as well. So singing goals to Bailey Williams and Lucky Hunter... Lockie Hunter had a cracking game on the weekend. He was all over you guys. Yeah, absolutely. He, his work rate, again, i come back to the work rate. His work rate was fantastic. Toby McLean's work rate was fantastic. The Bulldogs were just a, such a better side than Essendon on the weekend. And uh, If you watch this game, you would think that Essendon's a bottom two side and Bulldogs are actually a really high side because their pressure was fantastic. Back to what they were in their, in their good days. Uh, so the Bulldogs are back to a degree. But uh, have a look at some of the stats for this. You have to see a few more rounds. You have to see a few more rounds, exactly. And it really leaves Essendon at a bit of a crossroads. What are they going to do? Because they've gotten the big recruits in the off-season. It doesn't look like it's worked to this point. Now, we can't can't completely cut them off because it's too early. It's only round three. They've got a good win in round one. They have to travel over to Fremantle. And their record, actually, after coming back from WA is actually shocking as well. So uh, that might play into it as well. I'm not sure what's going on there, but something has to change in their trips to WA. So Essendon really need to have a good hard look at themselves in this week. I've just had a gesture here from Brendan. He wants me to point out the uh, Joe Danaher handball into Green's ankles in the dying minutes of the fourth quarter, which could have swung the momentum. I have to call this out, Jim. The momentum swing that the Bombers were going through, they were pushing and pushing, going into the final 10 minutes of the final quarter. Joe Danaher takes a good mark, about seven or eight metres out, slide ankle in front of goal, decides to handball it into Green's ankles and results in a dis- and, um, it resulted in a behind and led to coast-to-coast goal for the Bulldogs. Yeah, it was a really silly decision from Danaher. It was really it's just a terrible, no. terrible piece of play. He took a great mark. Uh, I don't understand why a full forward ever handballs to anyone in the goal square, but... Blame does lie on both sides. Green should definitely not have called for that ball. He shouldn't have called would... for it, but at the same time, yeah, Danaher, Danaher, he should have just said, no, nah, yeah. gone back and kicked it. Yeah, he should have gone back and kicked it. That would have brought the margin back to eight points. But in the end, Essendon did not deserve to even be close, so probably it worked out well. What did frustrate me a bit was that Danaher's initial reaction to that was to laugh at himself. He laughed at himself and the dogs kicked a goal. Surely you'd be putrid with yourself. Oh, I, don't, I think it was more of a wry laugh. He didn't really... He wasn't... He, I don't think he thought it was funny, but mm, it was I just that... Yeah, it was, it was a little bit funny. Um, yeah, it certainly he, wasn't he, funny he, to me he, in the uh, ground. Supporters, no, but you'd love to think what um, John Worsfold had to say to, um, to Danaher after the game, after he was um, made that decision. Well, I think uh, Worsfold can't really talk to anyone because his performance on the weekend wasn't very good either. His inability to make some changes during the game when our game plan wasn't working was pretty bad. So I think there's a lot of blame that lies with John Worsfold as well. My heart goes out to anyone playing any fantasy football or... Super coach, uh, 
Luke Dalhouse with the 31 disposals, but only seven kicks and 24 handballs. If it, God, if you, you wonder if Dalhouse had been able to translate a couple of those handballs into kicks, he could have been even more deadly than what he already was, Jim. It seems like um, he turned into Matt Prudis for that game. He loves the, loves the handball. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we'll throw it over to you now, Jim, for your GLS Player of the Round votes. Who did you give the one to? Well, I could have given the one to a lot of players in the end. I think there was... I think I could have given uh, nine, I think I counted, nine votes to Western Bulldogs players before I would have given one to an Essendon player. And even then, it would have been a bit of a stretch. I gave the one vote to Marcus Bontempelli. He uh, was very good, playing mostly in the forward line, had 16 disposal, three goals, three. Uh, was really strong in the forward line. Bit of an interjection here. You reckon Bont's having a bit of a quiet year, not as strong as his previous years? Yeah, he's having a bit of a quiet year, but really he's playing. He's trying to play the role for the team, playing a lot more up forward in the past previous uh, year and a half than he was in his uh, big season of 2016. But hopefully he gets back to his best form because we all love seeing the best players play their best footy. I gave the two votes to uh, Luke Dalhouse. I thought his work rate was tremendous. He played really well. He's got the 12 contested possessions as well, and his running numbers were fantastic. And the three votes, as we said before, Lockie Hunter was just unbelievable. 35 disposals, was dangerous in the forward line, kicking one goal two, 80% efficient, uh, kicking efficiency, and 15 score involvement. So one in every two times he got the ball, it ended in a score. So that was just a fantastic effort from, from performance. Yeah. Lockie Hunter. All right, well, that wraps up our analysis for this game. Moving on to the final game of the round, and it was an absolute cracker at Optus Stadium. The Geelong Cats going down to the West Coast Eagles. West Coast Eagles, 14-11-95. Geelong Cats, 11-14-80. This was an entertaining game to watch. Very, very tough um, day of tipping, the Sunday. Um, I must say, I got zero tips wrong on the Sunday. In- obviously, including this game. So, I tipped Cats. You just said the zero tips wrong. <laughs> I, I might have said that. I didn't get any tips right. Okay, so I'll correct myself there. So... Geelong, obviously, they're in the game for most of it, coming back near the end, but then Eagles just decided to turn on another gear and go on to win by 15 points. Yeah, they looked like they were going to pinch it with about uh, 10 minutes to go, the Cats, and then uh, Ablett did a, did a string. He, he pinched his, he pin, he pinched his he happy, pinged yeah. the string, and all of a sudden, uh, the West Coast Eagles got massively on top of the midfield, and it yeah. just they just went ham. Cats lost two more of their rotations on the bench as well with Guthrie, an ankle injury, and Cockatoo down as well. So we're probably out on their legs at the end of the game there, the Cats, but the Eagles, led by Nat Nui, dominant in the ruck, absolutely slotting the ball down the players' throats there was fantastic. It was the, the prime example of how to ruck, really. Going for the ball, not the body, and just tapping it down to his teammates wherever they needed it. So it was perfect. What did you think of the game, Jim? Yeah, I thought it was a good game. Obviously, I was at the Essendon versus Western Bulldogs match, so I only got to catch the last uh, hour of the game. But really, we're seeing Geelong, and they had some a lot of injuries. They were down to the one rotation about halfway through the last quarter. So they really looked a bit slow towards the end of that last quarter. And the West Coast Eagles were just running past them. Yo got involved later in the game uh, when he was horrible for the first three and a half quarters, and then he got involved late. It was really good to see a player turn his game around when it really matters. That's really important for teams. And I just thought it was a fantastic effort by West Coast to get up. I must say, yeah, before we get into the votes as well, I'll just say that um, Tom Hawkins, I thought, especially in the third quarter, um, had a very good 
Um, very good game for what he's saying because he started off the year pretty slow, um, but he he came about to kick three goals, three um, with seven marks. So he he had a good game, I'd say. I reckon. Patrick Ganderfield with the thirty-three disposals had a really salt solid game. Did danger. Gary, I know we went down with injury, but he, only had the twenty-six. Danger, yeah, he had thirty-three touches, but he was only going at sixty percent efficiency, which is generous because he was going at about twelve percent for the first quarter. Um, so he got a lot of disposals, but he didn't really do too much with it, which is why he didn't have as much of an impact as they did for Geelong. Three goals to Lacroix and Liam Ryan. Liam Ryan going down with what looked like an ankle injury in the dying moments of the fourth quarter. He put the Eagles bat back in front with his kick off the ground, and then his leg got trapped under him. So we're hoping that he's not out for too long because he is an absolute superstar down at the Eagles. One to watch. Uh, he'd be he's one of the really good pickups of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we'll move into some of the votes now. We won't move into some of the votes now. Sorry. Well, actually, I do have something to say. You really have to question what's going on down at Geelong. If you look at it, in round one, they sneak a win over the Demons because Gorn, unfortunately, misses a kick to win the Demons. Very lucky to sneak that win, yeah. To win the Demons the game. Geelong goes down by a point last week to the Hawks and now this again when they have all the momentum and yes we know that they lost their rotations but the Eagles just fought their way back in so hard. You have to question what is going down uh, at the Cats this year. So Brendan what were your votes for this contest? Alright so I'm going to have to go with the one vote to Nick Natanui mainly just because of his dominance in the ruck especially in that last quarter. Um, Tapping him left right and centre so did very well. Um, my two votes I'll give to Andrew Gaff. Uh, he had 29 touches, eight marks, two, uh, three tackles, and one goal. So he was very dominant for the Eagles. And also, with my three votes, I'll give them to Dom Sheed because he had 30 disposals, 20 of them kicks, six marks, um, one tackle, and two goals, two behinds. So he was very active, especially in the forward line as well. Yeah, he played a fantastic game, and it was a fantastic round of football all around. I thought there were some fantastic games in the weekend. There were some low lights and there were some highlights. I think the highlight of the round was Buddy's fantastic goal on the Saturday night, uh, and it was really good to see. Now, we've got a big round coming up, a lot of really close games, a lot of really pivotal contests for certain teams, and it'll be really great to see... Uh, some of these matches. One of the best matches for this weekend coming up is Essendon versus Port Adelaide. Brendan and I will be going head to head and seeing who that's wins it. the match. Uh, yep, yeah, that's, that's that's it. So, so um, obviously Port are going to win, um, but we'll go. We'll just you know think about that in a different aspect. All right. Um, well, I look forward to having you on the show so. next week when Essendon get up. <laughs> um, yeah. So oh, no, I reckon it'll be a good game because obviously last year when we played Essendon at Eddie had. Um, Essendon spanked us, so you know it's did. yeah we did. Um, oh yeah, we got spanked. Um, so that wasn't fun, but hopefully it's a different story this weekend. Absolutely, I'm really looking forward to this round. A couple of good games to come up. I mean, you've got apart from the Essendon and Port game, Hawks and Melbourne on Sunday at the MCG should be a cracking game. GWS and Fremantle as well. That'll be good to see how those teams are shaping up for the rest of the year and. A couple of the lowlier teams, you've got North and Carlton. So both teams, Carlton could be hunting for their first win of the year. So that'll be good to see the Blues get up if they do. It'll be interesting to see if the Western Bulldogs can keep up their form against Sydney this week. They're playing at Etihad again and uh, against stiff opposition in uh, Sydney. It'll be a really tight contest. 
Uh, we'll wrap it up now. And thank you, everyone, for listening to Stuck On Sport. Thank you very much to Jordan and Brendan for joining me. It's been a pleasure, guys. Thanks, everyone. Back, Jim. Yeah, thanks very much, boys. And to everyone out there, thank you very much for listening to Stuck On Sport. Stuck On Sport.